Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the 5 and 40 podcast. My name is Gregory Steele. I'm your host. I think, obviously, I have a squeaky office chair. I think before the next one, I'm probably going to have to fix that. But uh, it's been a long time since I did an episode, and I've had a few people asking me for them, and I want to say I appreciate that. The interesting thing is today, uh, I do my podcast on Anchor, and I went up there today and looked at the stats of people that listen to my podcast. And the interesting thing was that two people in Germany and one person in Ireland had listened. And I thought that was kind of interesting. How in the world would you get that kind of reach? But anyway, I appreciate everybody who's always listened. So it's been a long time since I did a podcast. And unfortunately, I feel like every time I've done one lately, it's always just been like, oh, I haven't done one for this reason or that reason. And I'm really going to get back into it. And then I really don't. And, uh, I wonder, or I'm thinking about the fact that you get to some point where I was doing a podcast called five in 40, where I had to talk about five uh, topics every time. And I found myself like really working hard to try to think of and find topics. And sometimes I was just doing topics for the sake of doing them, not necessarily stuff I was super interested in or thought was interesting. It's just, I kind of had to fill the time. And I do understand the content is the important thing, but I guess I was saying to myself that I would really like to get back into this thing if I could really find something that I was interested in talking about. And so I think possibly maybe I have found something and I've talked about it some in the past. But one of the things that I've really gotten interested in over the last few months, um, well, been a longer than that, but more in-depth interested in is uh, cryptocurrency. Now, Generally, again, this is the 5 and 40 podcast, and I usually talk about five topics, but I've kind of decided for now that I'm just going to kind of not change the name technically, but I've decided that I really want to learn more about cryptocurrency. I, I've done some investing in it, and I'm, I've done well on some of the things that I've invested in, but I don't have a great understanding. I'm in some Facebook groups about crypto and about decentralized finance and people will post things and it's like greek to me it's like a whole nother language that i don't understand and so i think two things the first thing i think is should i really be invested or involved in it if i don't understand some of it um and i guess the second thing is is that you know if there's good opportunities still in it am i missing some of the opportunities because i don't understand that you know um so i want to be in it And to be in it, I want to know about it. And then I want to get the best opportunities, which makes me really think that I need to have a good in-depth knowledge of it. And so here's kind of an interesting story. I may be kicking and screaming, have pulled my wife along a little bit into this with trying to explain some of the things to her. And I'll tell her some of the things and she'll say to me, why doesn't everybody do that? And I mean, the answer is, is just because everybody doesn't know about it. And I know enough to be dangerous, maybe, right? (laughs) But I don't know as much as I want to. But I thought if I could redo the podcast, my goal of the podcast would be to A, motivate myself to learn it. And then B, if I learn it and there's good opportunities, I want to share them with people. And really, I know some of the people I know who I've talked to about it who are interested and some who've actually kind of dived in a little bit, uh, a lot who are apprehensive. And so my goal is to see, can we do this podcast where I learn about it, I share what I'm learning, but at the same time uh, to be able to let other people know and to kind of see if they, if it's something they might be interested in. 
And it's one of those things that's so broad with everything. It's like, you can't just say cryptocurrency and then that means cryptocurrency. Like it's really something in, in my opinion to just be like, oh, I don't care about cryptocurrency or don't want to be involved in it. Um, just as it is to like buy one coin and say, oh, well, I'm all into cryptocurrency now, right? Like there's so many things going on, so much different stuff that um, it's just so broad and so many things to do. And it's almost like anything else in life. You're successful at what you're interested in. And so looking around and finding the things that interest you and maybe getting involved in some of those in some ways and, you know, kind of doing it in a small way. Like I started out really small. And then as I had some success and I found more things that I liked and I was more things I was interested in, I got a little more involved. You know, I'm still not like all in or I'm still not super involved in it. But again, I think that's because up to this point, I, I, there's so, so many things that I don't know. Gosh, maybe it's one of those things where you'll never know everything, but you want to maybe know enough, right? And so just to talk about the goal now, Cryptocurrency as a whole, I mean, this episode maybe is just introductory um, and just to talk about a few things that I think are interesting. I mean, cryptocurrency as a whole is, again, it's not just like cryptocurrency from the standpoint of, okay, I buy this coin and then this coin either goes up and down in value and I either make or lose money um, because there's just so much more involved with that. Now, that is one part of it. Um, now, maybe the first thing to talk about is the difference between classic cryptocurrency and uh, some of the newer things like decentralized finance and NFTs, which are non-fungible tokens. And so classic cryptocurrency are the things like Ethereum and Bitcoin and the things that you hear about the most. They're the things that have been around a long time. You know, technically, if you had gotten involved in cryptocurrency anytime 2017 or earlier, and you put some money into it and paid a little bit of attention to it. And like if you made money just putting it into new things, I mean, you can make a lot of money. I mean, there's a lot of people that are millionaires because of that. But after 2017, there was a big boom in classic cryptocurrency. And so it's almost like not that you can't get involved and not that it won't go up. But it's very expensive to get involved in. I mean, a Bitcoin is $60,000. And, uh, but you can buy pieces, right? And there's a lot of people that think Bitcoin might go to $400,000. And so I'm not saying it's a bad investment. I'm just saying that um, if you were trying to get in low on a market in classic crypto, maybe the ship has sailed. Um, but doesn't mean it's bad. I still think Ethereum is a good buy. Um, Ethereum is kind of the second most popular coin behind Bitcoin. And there's people that think Ethereum may actually do better than Bitcoin one day. Um, and so, but just to say a two things real quick about that. So Bitcoin is the first cryptocurrency. Now, the interesting thing about Bitcoin is, is that Bitcoin, there was only ever going to be 21 million of them. And so the way it works is, is that people have to mine Bitcoin. And so that takes a whole bunch of computing power and electricity and energy and all these kind of things. Um, but technically, you know, there's only supposed to ever be 21 million Bitcoin. And so 21 million sounds like a lot, but in cryptocurrency, it's pretty scarce. And so there's going to come a time when they've all been mined and there's not going to be any more Bitcoin. And what there is, there is. And it's sort of the backbone of the cryptocurrency market. Things tend to fall, uh, follow Bitcoin. Like if Bitcoin goes up, a lot of things go up. And if Bitcoin goes down, a lot of things go down, unless there's kind of something else going on with a specific cryptocurrency. Um, and so, and one other thing I think that's kind of interesting about Bitcoin is, is that, you know, so the way that this works is, is this is all on the blockchain and I'm going to talk some about blockchain, but the point is, is that you have these wallets where you keep this money, digital wallets. And if you lose 
your codes to the digital wallets or you throw away the computer that they're on or the hard drive that they're on, you can never get them back. And so one thing that's interesting is that it's, I think it's calculated already that 4 million of those 21 million Bitcoin have been lost and can never be recovered. So technically, um, it's from 21 down to 17 million Bitcoin. And so Bitcoin uh, just holds value for that reason. Now, the interesting thing about Bitcoin is it's it's pretty, it doesn't do much. And what I mean by that is you buy it, it goes up, it goes down, you make money, you lose money, you sell it, right? It's it's like a, anything else. Now, Ethereum's a little bit different from the standpoint of that Ethereum is a coin on which um, maybe most everything else is built. And by that, I mean, that instead of just being a coin that you buy and sell and it goes up and it's down, you know, it actually has other coins that are kind of sprung from it and other blockchains that are sprung from it. It's sort of like the tree from which everything else grows. And so the reason why people who think Ethereum one day will do better than Bitcoin think it is because they say, well, Bitcoin is just a Bitcoin, whereas Ethereum is the, is the chain upon which everything else is built. And it might be functional rather than just an investment. And so that might be the difference. But um, but as we speak today, like uh, Ethereum's up has been recently up to its highest to somewhere $44, $4,800 per coin. And it had gotten down to 1800 not too long ago. But again, these started out as pennies, all of them, right? So but that's kind of now there's other classic cryptocurrencies, but those are sort of the two main basic ones. Um, and just to talk a little bit about the blockchain, the blockchain is is the thing upon which all of this stuff is built. And so the blockchain is sort of like, as I've learned more about it, I sort of come to the conclusion that it just means proof of ownership. But it means proof of ownership that can be A, very secure, and be, in many cases, very confidential. Um, so like, let's say, for instance, that you buy a car, right? So you give somebody money for the car, they give you the title, you go down and you say, okay, I register this title, I own it, now I can get a license plate, now I can drive this car. And so it's basically like this transaction took place on paper. So I guess blockchain stuff isn't all that much different. It's like I own a Bitcoin and you buy the Bitcoin from me and I transfer the ownership of that Bitcoin to you and the proof of ownership is done on the blockchain. Now the blockchain is that it's not just one piece of paper that I sign it and you sign it. So basically it works like this transaction takes place but the way mining kind of works is that I would take my computer and I would put up some of the things... I guess some of the memory or some of the things my computer can do, I'd make it available to process blockchain transactions. And so instead of one person signing it, if you do a blockchain transaction, there might be many, many different computers that all do a piece of that blockchain and it all comes together in a, in a big number that's a bunch of numbers and letters. And so it's not really reproducible. It would be very difficult to ever steal. Uh, and it also very difficult to trace. Now we had talk at some point, I'm sure about how things are being traced. Um, and that has a lot to do with exchanges. And we'll go into that further. But technically, though, the Bitcoin by itself is a pretty anonymous transaction. Um, now the blockchain, at first, I just understood that the blockchain meant cryptocurrency. But now it's almost like the blockchain can also be proof of ownership of anything. 
And so you've heard of NFTs, non-fungible tokens before probably. Um, and so basically like that would be a work of art somebody makes and then someone else technically owns that piece of art, pays for it, owns it. But that piece of art is a piece of data on the blockchain. And so the ownership of that is locked in the blockchain and proof of ownership is on the blockchain. Again, can be very secure and also very anonymous. Now, the weird thing about non-fungible tokens or NFTs that people get kind of freaked out about is the fact that, okay, so I, I draw a picture and I sell it to someone. I, I make it into an NFT. What you have to do is it's called minting. So I would like draw a picture on the computer. I'd put it up for sale. Someone, I would mint it into an into a non-fungible token which that's just a complicated way to say I make it an item of data on the blockchain so that it can be transferred or sold. And so someone buys it, I transfer it to them on the blockchain, then they own it. Now, the weird thing is about that is that I can pull that image up and look at it on my computer, right? I mean, it's not this thing where like if I bought a piece of art on a canvas, I could lock it in my room and never let anyone see it and I own it. I'm the only one who gets to look at it. Well, NFTs aren't really like that. (laughs) NFTs are like uh, anyone can look at it, but I own it. So, um, and somebody said to me one day, like, who's buying all these NFTs? And really, it might be a lot of the people that have invested in, in classic crypto that have just millions of dollars of Bitcoin and stuff sitting around and they just want something to do with it and they want to get the next big thing. And so they'll pay, I don't know, you know, some of them are paying 150000 But if you think non-fungible tokens are something that's just a fad and might go away, you know, if big business starts getting involved in things, then they tend not to go away. And so Visa paid $150,000 or so for an NFT not too long ago. So if you have companies like Visa paying for them, I mean, you just assume that they must have some legitimacy um, or and, and something like that adds legitimacy. But there's a lot of people that are betting that NFTs are going to be big and stay big and, and get even bigger. Um, and the other interesting thing about NFTs is that, you know, first off, it was just a piece of art or a, or a basketball card or something that was made into an NFT. But it kind of turns out as you go on that pretty much anything can be an NFT. So here's another interesting thing that's happening. So as we move into decentralized things like decentralized finance. So basically, then all the next moves after classic cryptocurrency are trying to move into decentralizing things. Now, everything we do is centralized. By that, we mean everything you do with your money is centralized. You get a paycheck, it goes into a a bank, you know, your income is reported to the government. You know, if you want to transfer money, you have to do it through a bank or through something like uh, a credit card or PayPal or something like that. Um, But the point is, is that there is a structure a financial structure under which all transactions go through. And so the goal here is is to get decentralized, meaning they're trying to create things where using cryptocurrency and tokens where you can bypass the the structure and it all be decentralized to give people a lot more control, to decrease fees, um, because like sometimes you try to send someone money, they'll charge you 7%, right? Some of the things that happen with uh, crypto cost two point, you know, maybe two cents. Um, so it certainly can be cheaper and certainly can also be a lot faster. Anytime you try to transfer any money from a bank or something, it's like a three day thing, right? And cryptocurrency stuff can happen almost instantaneously in some cases. So 
But anyway, the interesting thing, again, is that non-fungible tokens can be other things. So the other thing that's happening with decentralization is, is they're making something called Web3. And what Web3 is, is that we're currently in Internet or Web version 2, but it's centralized. And by centralized, I mean you have Internet in your house. You have to pay an Internet service provider to provide you with that internet and everything you do and look at and all that kind of stuff is is known by that service provider and can be, uh, you know, your data can be sold to advertisers. Anything you can do can be reported to the government. And so Web3 is basically what they're moving towards, which is a decentralized internet where, again, you're going on the internet, but that it's not tracked and it's not traced and you don't have to get it through uh, some service provider. And so the interesting thing is, is that we understand that the most most of the web addresses right now are .com, but as you move to Web3, you have to have new addresses. You can't use .com because .com will take you to Web2, right? So there's new addresses. So, I mean, there are now domain, and so you can buy domain names right now in Web2. Generally, let's say I want to make gregsteel.com, and so I would go somewhere and I would pay them and use, do they have a monthly fee so that I can use gregsteel.com. But in Web3, they they don't want to have these centralized domain controllers who you have to pay rent to. So they're basically selling Web3 domains right now, and you can go to places like Unstoppable Domains, and you can go in there and you can put, I want my website to be Greg Steele dot, and they have dot crypto and dot NFT and dot X and dot 888, and they have all these different possible uh, things you can have. But you can buy that, and once you buy that, it's registered on blockchain, you own it. So no one else can use that Web3 address. But the interesting thing is you can mint that web address into an NFT on the blockchain. And what that means is, is I then can sell it. And so what you have right now is you have a lot of people that are going up and buying a bunch of these these Web3 addresses, like the good ones, right? The ones that they think people are going to be interested in and businesses might want and all that stuff. And they're buying them and they're minting them in NFTs and they're just holding on to them saying, okay, one day Web3 is going to be the thing. And this business is going to want this Web3 address and I own it and they have to buy it from me. So that's another thing that can be done with NFTs. And so, again, it's like we talk about crypto and we talk about this big, huge thing that crypto is. And it's like, I guess when you talk about crypto, you're talking technically about the coin. So maybe the better thing to do is just talk about the things that can happen on the blockchain. But when you get involved with this stuff, it's like you want to get involved with all of it, or at least I do. I want to know about all of it. Doesn't mean I want to invest in all of it or get involved in all of it, but I'm kind of interested. You know, uh, there's another thing that's called a YAT, a Y-A-T that they've been working on. I might have talked about it before, but it's sort of like this um, unique identifier that people can have or businesses can have on the web where like uh, it's a string of emojis. And if you buy that YAT, and you you own it then basically like you can use that to identify yourself and and the, i think the interesting thing about yats are is like i can make it my facebook signature but i can make it where if you click on my yat that represents me that it can take you to my web page it can take you to my facebook profile it can take you to a pay site it can take you to a crypto wallet i mean it can take you anywhere that i direct it to go but yats are the same way i buy that yat and I mint it, and and I own it, and then I make it into an NFT, and then if someone else likes my yacht and wants to buy it in the future, 
I can sell it to them on the blockchain. And the way they would know that that transfer happened is because it's on the blockchain and the ownership would transfer to this other person. And so NFTs are really coming down to being more than just, oh, look, I made some pretty picture on the internet and, you know, someone else wants to buy it. Um, it's really turning into how do I prove I own anything digital? And so that's what NFTs are. So I think the majority of people have just heard, oh my gosh, this guy made these stupid little things on the computer and sold it for $7 million. Well, that's happening for sure. But, you know, and, and it really started out for collectibles and I think it'll stay in the collectible and the art market. But I think the bigger thing that's coming out of NFTs and why maybe they're going to stay relevant and, and valuable in the future is because NFTs are really being bridged as the way to prove ownership of just about anything. Um, and so I think that's kind of interesting. And so I'm interested. Um, I actually uh, did a Roth IRA and, you know, I have IRAs in retirement that's pretty much just all classic mutual funds and ETFs and things like that. And so when I got my uh, Roth IRA, I wanted to diversify a little bit. So one of the things I did was look at ETFs, which basically a mutual fund is just sort of a group, uh, you know, uh, basically a group of stocks that you would invest in. Um, but an ETF is a, is, a, is a fund that's a group of stocks, but they tend to be in the same industry. So if you buy a big mutual fund, it'll have things in petroleum and things in insurance and things, all these different kind of industries in one fund. But ETFs focus on a specific industry. So one of the things I, I got in my, um, my Roth IRA was some of the, some basic ETFs that focus on blockchain technology because I thought... If NFTs are going to prove ownership, it has to be done on the blockchain. And so I, I thought that that might be a, a good a good thing to do. And I haven't done it yet, but there's other things you can invest in that are stocks and bonds that support crypto and NFTs and decentralized that, that might be good uh, investments going forward. And so I'm looking at those as well. And so, it, and again, talking about just how broad this thing is, it's not just coins and it's not just NFTs and it's not just, you know, getting into even the regular stock market. And heck, you'll have companies um, like Facebook, for instance, that recently changed their name to Meta. And the reason they changed their name to Meta is because they said, we want to get involved in the metaverse. And we'll talk a little bit about what that is. But the point is, is that metaverse is all about decentralized stuff. And so, you know, you have these big businesses moving that way. And so if that's the future, the businesses that get involved in that future might be the stocks to get. And, and crypto itself and blockchain may be influencing what classic investments are the best investments to have. And so it's one of the reasons, or maybe even another reason I say to, um, maybe it's a good place to put some of your attention. Now, one of the things that I really learned interesting lately and uh, my friend AJ is the one who actually kind of put this in my brain and so I think I've you've heard me if you've listened to the podcast talk before about budgeting and talk about Dave Ramsey stuff and I'm a big budgeter and I'm also classically an anti-debt person now everybody's not an anti-debt person you know anyone who probably has a big business likes debt right they leverage debt to make profit and they make more profit than the debt. That's how they grow their business. But for me personally, I've just never been this person who wanted a bunch of debt. 
And I feel like you look at Dave Ramsey's program and he's telling you pay off all your debt. And so I've really been working hard now for a number of years to pay off all my debt. So I think it classically always made sense. And I think you have to look at interest rates on savings accounts, for instance. So like if you bought a car and they charged you three and a half or 4% interest and you had $50,000 in the bank. So if you put that money into savings, you probably earned, I don't know, at the best 2% interest, but 2% is a lot, right? I mean, right now it's 0.2%, but let's say we even average 1%. So if you bought a car and paid 4%, but your savings only paid you 1%, it did not make any sense to hold on to that money. It made sense to pay off the car because of the fact that you didn't want to pay that 3% interest. Now, the really interesting thing that I didn't think of until very recently is how crypto has changed that. So one of the things you can do with crypto is basically just buying something that are called stable coins. Now, what stable coins are is that stable coins don't change in value. A stable coin is worth a dollar and it's always worth a dollar. And no matter what happens, it doesn't change the value of it. And so the easiest or probably the lowest on the rung thing you can do to get involved in cryptocurrency is just to go to a place called BlockFi or Crypto.com will also do it. And I'm sure there's many others. The one I have the most experience with is BlockFi. But basically what you do is you get hooked up to this exchange. BlockFi is a crypto exchange. And you put U.S. dollars in there. They convert those U.S. dollars into a stable coin. The one um, that BlockFi uses is called GUSD or Gemini U.S. dollar. And so basically while they're on BlockFi, they're a GUSD. Now, if you want to withdraw them, you withdraw them and the GUSDs convert back to real dollars. Um, and so basically it's just in the coin form while it's on the exchange. And then if you pull it back out, it's then in the dollar form again. Um, but basically you put money in there and you don't even have to do anything with it. You just let it sit there and they pay you 9% interest now. And sometimes it's seven and sometimes it's nine. So depending on what's going on with crypto markets, it can kind of go up and down. But right now, as of today, it's at 9%. So I had money that was sitting in a savings account earning 0.02%. And I was just like, this is stupid, right? Like you'd have a whole bunch of money in there and earn like, four dollars and i was like this just isn't acceptable but when the federal reserve sets interest rates every single bank follows them it's not like banks are competing with each other and giving you better interest rates to get your money there's just nothing you can do right well what you can do is crypto and i started out very small putting money in there and i did these tests where i put it in and then made sure it, i could withdraw it and i can and you put the money in there and it just sits there and they pay monthly interest and they pay 9%. Now, why does that change the classic thought I ever had about paying off debt? So I was talking to AJ about the fact that I wanted to buy a car because we were talking about if you wanted to get in the crypto market, of course, you have to put in capital. And he's like, why wow, you have all this capital sitting there? And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to do anything with that because that's money I'm saving to buy a car because I want to buy the car for cash. I don't want to have to you know, pay a loan and stuff like that. And he's like, all right, well, he said, I understand what you're saying from a historical perspective, you know, when you had to pay 4% interest on the car, but you could only earn 0.2% from a bank, it made sense to pay it off. He said, but it doesn't make sense if you're into crypto. And man, I was super confused. I couldn't figure out what the heck he was talking about. 
until we talked about it and like he was explaining to me and then a light bulb went off, you know, and the light bulb was, you know, I could take that money and I could pay outright for the car. Or the other option is, is I could take that money and I could put it into BlockFi. And if I have to pay three and a half percent interest on the car loan, but I earn 9% interest on BlockFi, then I'm ahead, right? And the interesting thing he said that really struck me that I didn't think about, and it it took me a minute to figure it out because it's just so far away from the classic thinking. He said, at the end, you can own the car and still have your money. And I was like, how in the world can you have the car and you didn't have to pay for it? But that's not the point. It's not that you didn't have to pay for it. But think about the fact that if you put money in there, earning 9% interest, and you put enough money in there where every month you generate enough interest to pay the car payment, and essentially you're never decreasing the principal, you're paying the car, and at the end of the loan, you own the car and you still got the money. (laughs) And and it took me a minute to figure out what he's saying, and I was like, oh. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, wow. And so if you even want to talk about why crypto is good or interesting for anyone to even think about getting involved in, that's the basic bottom line is two things right off the bat. Number one, earn some real interest. And then number two, the ability to actually earn interest as you pay things off. I mean, or or actually paying things off with the interest and never losing the principal are two things that just cannot be done in the classic financial system. I mean, it's just not possible to do without investing really well, right? You could do it that way. But, I mean, the likelihood is uh, is pretty low. Oh, well, guess what? So I got a new uh, USB mic, and it appears like for the first time that I'm doing this on my browser, and my browser only lets me do 30 minutes. So it looks like this is going to be part one of this podcast. I'm going to stop this in just a minute, and then I will do a part two. So hopefully this was interesting, and you'll listen to the part two. (laughs) So I'll have to stop this in just a second.